Israel is a land of diverse cultures, religions, foods, music and people. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he explores the devout and divine, the off the wall and outrageous and everything in between. Right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman and this is the new Blue Review. It's a Monday morning in October and, uh, I can officially say that spring is in the air because on my way to work today, there were jacarandas flowering all over the place. So if you are at all any kind of student, you will want to be making sure you're hitting those books because when the jacarandas arrive, you know it's time for Exams, and uh, luckily you won't have to write an exam for this particular show, however, because uh, we're just going to be bringing you all sorts of interesting different things today that do not require you to know anything other than just sitting there and enjoying your Monday morning before Yom Kippur, uh, forgiving people, particularly me if I've said something ridiculous on the radio, in which case there's probably a lot. So what have we got on the show for you today? Well, uh, later on I'm going to be talking about the I Am Staying movement, the hashtag I Am Staying movement, and uh, what I think about it, because I think uh, it's bringing up a lot of interesting issues in our society at the moment, so we're going to be chatting about that. Also going to be looking at a couple of inspirational stories ahead of Yom Kippur. Some nice things that are happening in the world. Uh, you know, it is Yom Kippur on Tuesday, so we might as well talk and listen about uh, a few uplifting things before the days of awe. And uh, those two are coming up, but just after the break, we're going to be speaking to Rina Barber. She uh, is going to be talking to us from Israel, and uh, she is... Uh, an entrepreneur, she's a social entrepreneur, she works in the IT sector, uh, and she's doing some very interesting things uh, with young Jews and the professional setting. So stay tuned, we'll be back just after this. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. We are crossing to Israel now to speak to Rina Barbet. She is uh, doing some interesting things with the J-Connect organization, uh, working with uh, Jewish professionals uh, in Israel. Rina, welcome to the New Blue Review. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Benji, for inviting me. Uh, now, before I get on to the work that you've been doing, which is fascinating in and of itself, uh, I understand that you grew up in Turkey before uh, moving to Israel. What was that like? Well, uh, first of all, it's true. I grew up in Turkey, and um, I had been in Israel already more than 10 years. And before that, I did one-year Jewish studies in uh, Stockholm. And uh, grew up as a Jew in Turkey as uh, being a part of minority. Currently, the uh, population in Turkey is around, I think, 80 or 90 million people. And imagine you are only part of a community which is 20,000 Jews. Now, like, everyone is moving to different places. So we are all, only, like, 13,000 Jews in Turkey. So it's a different transition from being a minority and moving to Israel and being part of the majority that there are so many Jews around. So it's a different experience. Imagine I grew up in a country that most of my friends were Muslims. I didn't study in a Jewish school because it was really far from our home. And, you know, to be the only Jew in the school, to have a different name, I don't have a Turkish name. And everyone is questioning what does it mean, what is different than us. So it was a different experience. 
and and things in Turkey at the moment. How is it for for the community for the community there? I mean, I understand that uh, people might be moving, but t- Turkey has also changed a lot, uh, even in the last decade or so. Is that, has that affected the community a lot? Yeah, I believe so. Like couples with uh, small kids, they don't want that uh, their kids will have the education in Turkey. And uh, they are trying to find ways uh, to move to different places. We have, uh, we as Turkish Jews, we have the rights to get a citizenship uh, from uh, Portugal or Spain because we have the Sephardic uh, roots. So everyone is applying to that and they're actually getting like a passport or citizenship and uh, they are moving to different places in Europe. It's true also that there is a big um, a aliyah to Israel because uh, it's also like easier for them like uh, the, in the beginning it's not really easy because of the language the culture mentality people t- have to like adapt themselves but uh, for them it's the best ch- choice at least like for their kids uh, future very interesting. I think I could just talk to you about the Turkish aspect uh, all day, but that's not what we uh, <laughs> brought you on to talk about today. Uh, after you came from Turkey to Israel, uh, you started off in the IT sector. You've worked at a couple of really big brands. If anyone knows uh, Israeli IT, uh, they definitely recognize the kind of places that you have yeah. uh, worked at, uh, and you seem to have done very well with that. So so if, if everything is going so well on the professional front, why did you decide to, to go into the social entrepreneurship business uh, on top of that? So at least for now, I do both of them in parallel. I have a full-time job in a leading cybersecurity company in Israel in a managerial role. And besides that, I'm running JConnect because it's my passion. I feel I'm really responsible uh, to return back some some values, something like to Jewish communities. Uh, let's uh, go take a quick ad break and then we will uh, see if I can get her back on the line because we do want to talk to her. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. That was Ruk Minim Kolech from Idan Reichel 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman. And, uh, we got cut off there, uh, speaking today to yes. Rina Barber. Sorry, Rina. Uh, was it your cybersecurity people just making sure that, uh, <laughs> we're, we're safe? Yeah, I got an attack. <laughs> so, Sorry for it. I don't know what happened. No, the, these, so, things, these things happen on live radio. You were telling us why you decided to create JConnect. So I felt that uh, I want to bring the Jewish component to uh, the Jewish young Jewish professionals' life uh, with a different way because they are very busy anyway in their career and also like in their like startup idea and they are disconnected from Jewish life. So and most of the time they don't know how to start and who to connect and maybe they are not really aware of like a the amount of connections that they have in their Jewish life and they don't know maybe how to reach out. So I'm trying to help them like uh, to achieve that. And My passion in life is to help people. And since uh, I have uh, years of experience of uh, business and technology, my passion is like uh, to help young Jewish professionals. And where where does the organization operate? Are you doing this in Israel? Are you doing it in, in Europe? Where, what is Who's the target market? So currently, uh, what I have as a platform is like it's a Facebook group and also like a LinkedIn page. And uh, since I'm based in Israel, it's operated uh, through Israel. 
but uh, I'm quite often uh, invited uh, to Jewish uh, business or slash entrepreneurship weekends. So, which I present there, I run workshops with them. I go to Moshe houses, I go to Limud, and always I talk about or I run a workshop about like a technology, and I'm trying to sit with people to have one-on-one with them to help with their business plan, financial plan, how to pitch their idea. So it's, it can be like a face-to-face when I travel, or it can be like a via phone that uh, they have a we can have a like consultation call, and I can help them like a true phone. And and so is is the focus more on the business side, or is it more about sort of the social aspect of of getting young people together who otherwise would feel isolated, uh, you know, it's fairly lonely doing the kind of work, uh, you know, if you're doing a startup and that sort of thing. To tell the truth, it's both of them. Uh, I can give you one example that uh, I was in London last year because of my full-time job, and I wanted to have a J-Connect event, and I'm not really familiar with the culture and so on. I checked with my friends, and I just uh, called one of the popular bars, and I just uh, booked a place for a networking event, and... What happened is, like, in the beginning, I didn't know how many people can show up. I said maybe 10 people, and then there were, like, more than 100 people. They show interest, and there were around 100 people who came to the networking event. And what we do, what we did is, like, we introduced ourselves. Everyone mentioned about their backgrounds, and there were already matches that they can do stuff together or they can help each other. So I think people are eager to have business, uh, entrepreneurship, meetups, and if it's already from Jewish life, I don't know how to explain, but it's automatically a trust between the two. So that's why like, it works so well. So both like, the networking aspect and, and both uh, the business aspect. And the social aspect. I mean, it's very interesting. You know, I think that many Jewish organizations around the world are worrying about this aspect of how do you bring in young people? How do you engage them? There's a sense that uh, people have apathy and they're not, uh, uh, you know, they're not r- willing to be engaged. But from what you're telling me, uh, if you can find the right kind of platform, then people will definitely uh, show up uh, and they're not like opposed to the Jewish aspect. Yes, exactly. And um, whenever I'm working on an app for JConnect, and whenever I want to explain people what is the app about, and I always say the word Tinder for business, and people are laughing, <laughs> yeah. right? And um, they were like, wow, so it's a, there is J-Date, so why you need um, like a Tinder for Jews? And I said, no, no, it's not for dating, it's for like a business matching, because if I am doing my business, and if I am looking for even maybe a graphical designer, or a co-founder, or an investor... They will have a platform that they can even like uh, swipe and they can already find uh, their match and start to have a conversation. So, but of course, if through these like events and through these uh, connections, if they can, you know, find their match, it's also fine. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll take it as well. So, so what is, how long has it been going and what has been the sort of reaction? How many events are you running? How often does, does this kind of stuff take place? So, it officially started in uh, 2017, and uh, I I have ran already more than uh, 25 events. It means 25 different places, like in Europe and Israel. And um, I connected more than 100 people, 
And uh, what I did is like uh, I mentored more than uh, 50 entrepreneurs, as I mentioned before, helping them with the creating their business plan, financial plan, how to pitch their idea. And if they're already in the mature stage, I can already introduce them to, to the relevant investors for their business. And and is it particular kinds of business? I mean, you're obviously based in the cyber world, uh, but are you are you trying to help a variety of people? If you don't have the skills, do you try and find somebody else who can? I have been in a different um, a IT industries already, so obviously, like a true high tech, I can help more. But I'm a very well connected person. Whoever you will ask about Rina Barbot, the first thing they will say, ah, Rina, connecting people, even before J-Connect. So I have a big network also in Europe, also in Turkey, and also in Israel. I think it's more like a, also like a personal touch, like it's more like character thing also that I keep in contact with people and so on. So I'm in contact with various industries connections, but... Since I have been in the IT sector for more than 10 years, most of my contacts are like a technology-based contacts. Now, that the organization is running, uh, you're talking about the app. How would you like to grow it, as they say in the, in, in the high-tech world? What are you going to do to scale it? First of all, in the last two years, I worked as a, like a non-profit organization and if I want to monetize, if I will decide to monetize it, it's very difficult and it's very actually personal because for me it's so important like uh, to give some, something back to the communities and it's difficult to perceive that I will charge money for that. But definitely uh, the idea is I want to have more J-Connect chapters in the biggest uh, Jewish communities in Europe. I always say Europe because... Uh, I was more active in the Jewish communities in Europe. These these are the places that the, most of my connections are. And so I want to have uh, maybe like a four or five chapters, like J-Connect uh, representatives who can uh, run the same things that I do, like uh, as a one-man show. Uh, or they can also like run uh, local events and so on. And my dream is like in the next years to see J-Connect hubs Whenever you travel somewhere, like let's say in Europe, you arrive to France and uh, you can just uh, work from a J-Connect hub and you can meet also like um, a different entrepreneurs who share your interest from the Jewish life. And I really hope that uh, we will launch the app soon that uh, people also like uh, can connect uh, by themselves like to the right connections. So, so if about I, the monetization, yeah. I can... Uh, charge people like through the app with uh, like a uh, different offers like premium and so on and the mentoring uh, can cost or whenever there is a match between a entrepreneur and an investor we can always ask a finder fee or success fee and so on now can people join if uh, you're an american or a south african I and mean, someone is listening to this are they able to to also connect up or is it uh, kind of restricted geographically it's not restricted geographically. It started as a like starting point between Israel to Europe, and but of course it's open to everyone. Uh, last year I rented a booth for J Connect in uh, one of the biggest uh, innovation festival in Israel, which is called DLD Festival, and actually there were lots of uh, Asian people who are not Jewish, and they even asked me. 
uh, if they can uh, like uh, connect and if they can also like uh, ask for help. And I said, sure, they were thinking if they have M connect, like Muslim connect or Christian connect or something. <laughs> I say like uh, the focus is like uh, Jewish connections, but I'm happy to help them. And I already even uh, helped them uh, to make uh, some connections uh, with them in Israel. Now, I'm interested in in the the kind of connection between the work that you're doing as a business and and the work as, as a social entrepreneur, because people often see them as being quite separate. Um, I, I know the first time uh, that I ever learned about uh, you and your, your work was at uh, the World Union of Jewish Students Conference, which was quite a while ago. Uh, but but how do you see that connection as that kind of student social activism connecting uh, business-wise? And how would you encourage people to think about those kinds of things less in silos than perhaps people always do? So I think uh, if you are talking about 2019, it's not only in Israel that uh, it's, it became a startup nation uh, country, but uh, most of the people have their own like uh, ideas. They want to be independent and uh, they want to work for themselves and, uh, you know, they want to make their dream come true. So I remember that uh, I joined to also Wuja's Congress uh, two years ago, like uh, with J-Connect. And you may see that, okay, these students are still like uh, studying. They don't have a business yet. They are not uh, thinking about their career yet. But it's not true because they're already like uh, planning to what is next. And I think they are also like excited and um, about uh, te- technologies, capabilities, and uh, they also want to have their own idea and they want to run it. So they're already interested to chat if it is relevant. So what happens is like when I meet students, I sit with them and I do the market research to see if uh, this idea already is tried already by someone else. Did it succe- succeed, fail? How they can make it differently, and so on. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. Just those simple tools to be able to use uh, people, create ideas and, and new platforms. I mean, if people want to uh, connect uh, to J Connect, uh, what is the best way that they can do it? So they can uh, connect to me like through J Connect forum through Facebook, or like in LinkedIn. There are lots of J Connects for different reasons. In a world wild. So my full name, like, is JConnect Forum in the social media. And they can also email me and uh, we can uh, set a meeting. I also have a website, jconnectforum.com. So they can also set a meeting with me and uh, we can have a call and see how can I help them. And yeah, this is like uh, most of the, like most of the way. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I definitely encourage people, if you are wanting to do a bit of business uh, internationally, connect with people who are doing uh, startups in Israel and around the world, a, a better forum I don't think you could think about. Uh, Rina, thank you so much for coming on the show, and good luck with the building of the app and the growth of the organization. Thank you so much for inviting me. Rina, Bob, but, oh, Rina, yes, sorry? You wanted to say something else? Indeed, uh, and a meaningful fast to you as well. Rina Barber there from J-Connect. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 High FM. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit today 
about something that's been a bit of a hit on social media at the moment. Uh, it's called the hashtag I am staying campaign. And uh, it's been a very interesting phenomenon. Basically, I think South Africans are feeling a little bit down, a little bit uh, depressed. There's a lot of talk about immigration and uh, a lot of people asking questions about leaving, etc. And so there was a property entrepreneur in Cape Town. And what he decided to do was uh, put out a video talking about why he's staying and why he's not going anywhere. And this sparked a whole uh, social media uh, virality campaign and it got all over the place and eventually this guy just start, decided to start a Facebook group and the Facebook group is called hashtag I am staying and what's come from this group is basically just been a lot of positivity people saying for their own for their own particular reasons this is why they're staying this is why uh, they like this country this is why they want to make it work uh, often posting their own personal stories about people that they've met from different communities that live in this country. Uh, it seems to be a, a Facebook group which has been uh, attracted a whole range of different people um, from different places. And, and I think that that has been uh, a positive thing. I think that the country needs people who are being positive and, uh, and are sharing our basic humanity as South Africans. And I think especially it's important because on social media, it tends to be that the worst South Africans tend to be on social media. The worst South Africans are on Twitter uh, and to a lesser extent Facebook. And particularly they're the kind of people who are trying to drive very highly divisive rhetoric, uh, often a very highly racialized. I mean, Twitter can be a really awful place. And so for no other reason if for no other reason rather, that this group existed simply to show that ordinary South Africans are out there, they're moderate people, they actually are connecting across different group lines uh, on a daily basis and they're happy about it. If for no other reason that this group existed, I would be happy that it existed and I think that it's a positive thing and I think that we you, can, you can't do anything but be more positive. I think it's certainly helpful. So that is why I think that this is a positive campaign and this is why I would support it. Uh, I think it's something that's good. Nonetheless, I think it does start an interesting discussion because you sort of say, well, where to from here? Because of course, as soon as this Facebook group was created and you had this upwelling of support, by the way, it's, I think it's hit something like 400,000, maybe 500,000. I would need to check. It's a lot of people. Uh, as soon as it, it was out there, the, the trolls of the Twitter that I was speaking about immediately started coming on board uh, and attacking this thing, calling it elitist, uh, saying that it was only representative of people who could stay, uh, who didn't have a choice if they wanted to leave. They're very typical stuff that you would like, you know, you might hear. So that was one reaction. Another reaction was uh, from people who uh, basically were saying, well, you know, it's it's fine, this is all very nice that we all love one another on Facebook, but actually we need to have a real discussion about our past and we have to have uh, a proper nuanced discussion about what that means if we want real con reconciliation. And so that has been the two big uh, responses to the sort of overwhelming positivity in, in this group. And I think, by the way, that's not the first time that we've seen this. Quite often in South Africa, you'll get movements or people who who sort of react against negativity in our country which often occurs with like a lot of positivity and 
and, uh, and that's fine. But I think that it has to move beyond that. And I think that the reaction of the woke folk on Twitter, uh, I think is not helpful and they can go do what they like, but I don't think that that's the right reaction. But I do think that it's worth opening up a discussion about where does a group like hashtag I'm staying take us? Because I don't think that anyone can live on unbridled positivity alone because what does it mean? What is the substance? And so I think that the only way to create uh, a more positive future is not just to talk about how positive we are, but to actually go ahead and create the future, not just say something about it. So people in this group, for me, somehow they need to figure out a way to find something that they can work on together. This country has no ends of problems, right? Uh, we have a 30% unemployment rate. We've got a massive poverty rate. We've got a huge education issue. We've got a government corruption problem. We've got a government policy issue where governments are, where the government is not doing the right policies for the country, where they're messing around with core fundamentals of the economy, whether it's land or health, um, or, or SOEs and, and continuous bailouts, and they're not doing the right things. So unless a group like this can find a way to forge a path forward, then I think ultimately uh, the, the, the woke folk on Twitter uh, w- will end up being the ones who take away the com- conversation. I think that that would be a pity. Now, of course, this is not easy to do, right? It's all very well saying, oh, we love one another, we like one another, uh, you know, but how do you find an issue? What is the issue that a f- group of 500,000 South Africans who are saying we're positive and we're staying – what is the issue that we say, all right, guys, this is the issue we need to pick on if we want to improve our future together, and this is how we go about doing it. I don't have the answer. Uh, I don't know what issue in our country at the moment is significantly broad-based and consensus and impactful enough that you could actually get buy-in for something like this. But for me, I think that's what it's got to be. What is the issue? That that group then picks up and says, all right, we're going to run with because ultimately, uh, and uh, Lord Jonathan Sachs has this great quote. He says, if you want people to overcome their divisions from the past, then the best way to do that is to make sure that they create the future together. And that's what I think a group like this has the potential to do. Perhaps they can start to build a potential for the future. But the key is going to be to find the right issue and to find the right impact. So uh, that, for me, is uh, where I see the hashtag. I'm staying. I would encourage people to go have a look. Go uh, check out the group. Uh, engage, engage in some of the other groups if you want to uh, check out what that's all about. It's not about necessarily being negative or positive. It's about saying, fine, we have issues. We have a lot of goodwill. How do we take it forward and help it to work? I'll be back just after the break. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. That was Matai Bahama Choret on 101.9 High FM. Now, I know that everyone is uh, wondering about the fast, but there is still food that we have to worry about. So uh, listen up. This is actually very, very crucial. Pick and Pay Nord Hyper has pocket-saving deals just for you. Pick and pay fish, minced hake for 129 rand point nine nine per kilo. Uh, salad farm hummus, low fat at a very low 29 rand 99. Pick and pay 100% fruit juice blend assorted, one liter, just 11 bucks. Or you could try Telma clear soup, K 
FP 400 grams for 49 rand nine. For 49 rand, just no 99, just, just a whole 49 rand. Uh, you can catch these and many more specials, which are exclusive to Pick and Pay Nord Hyper and only while stocks last. Pick and Pay Hyper Nord, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. Uh, 101.9 FM. I'm Benji Shulman and this is the new Blue Review. By the way, if you want to chat to us, you can telegram us 061. 895-1019 or you can SMS us on 34519 happy to chat to you about anything that is uh, troubling you or not troubling you or just making you feel happy on this uh, Monday morning before Yom Kippur and talking about Yom Kippur I thought why don't I have a nice story for you uh, a story of kindness uh, before Yom Kippur I just thought that this was great so uh, and it isn't actually being reported generally. So, you know, you've got to listen to High FM if you want to hear the latest things that you're not going to hear anybody anywhere else. So the story comes from a well-known Israel blogger called The Elder of Zion, uh, which I think he's trying to be ironic about that. Um, and he says that this is a nice story that is only being reported in the Hebrew language media a few weeks ago. And it's about two Israeli Arab Plumbers who refused to charge a Holocaust survivor uh, for their work. So Simon and Salim Matari, who are Israeli Arabs from Haifa, uh, reported to do some plumbing uh, of about a thousand shekels for an elderly elderly woman named Rosa Mayer. So they pitched up to say hello. Thousand shekels. So what's that? About four thousand rand. Not not a small leak by any means. Um, and they when they spoke to her, Rosa revealed that she was actually. Uh, a, a Holocaust survivor. So uh, at one point, uh, Simon says that his brother Salim started talking to Rosa about her life and her life story, which he says uh, they were very, very touched by. Uh, and at that moment, they decided they weren't going to charge her any money at all. Uh, he has an invoice here where they wrote out the entire invoice, uh, wishing her a that she's wishing her good health and 120 years and the amount to pay of exactly zero shekels. So apparently when Maya saw the invoice, she was moved to tears and she says that the brothers really surprised me. It was so exciting and, and gratifying and I thank them very much. Simon says, we did it wholeheartedly and we left our phone number for Rosa and told her to call us with any trouble that she had and would come and help her for free. That's the education we got at home, helping people. Money is important, but not the most important the most important is to be a human. And uh, sure, I don't think I could think of a better way uh, to think about uh, kindness and forgiveness before, uh, well, not really forgiveness, I suppose, no one annoyed anybody, but uh, certainly kindness uh, before your kip. I just thought it was a really um, nice story and one that doesn't, kind of story that normally wouldn't get any play, uh, certainly any, in any sort of mainstream media. So I thought I would bring it to you. Uh, on 101.9. Hi, Fem, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back just after this. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9. Hi, FM. I am Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. And pretty much that brings us to the end of the show for today. Can you believe it? Another show gone. Uh, first show of the new year, uh, already done and dusted. Uh, but we are going to be off air for the next couple of weeks because, of course, uh, with Sukkot, uh, the, it is falling on two Mondays in a row consecutively on uh, Mondays, 
So for the next two weeks, we will be off air, but we're already looking at some new, cool, and interesting uh, topics and people who will be chatting to after 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 the holidays. A lot of people are away. So I'm looking forward to all of that. I want to wish uh, everyone who listens to the show uh, and your families an, uh, a meaningful fast, and uh, may it be that you are all inscribed and sealed in the Book of Life. Thank you so much to everyone who helps put the show together. Craig, who pushes all the rig. Big red buttons, Mandy the producer, Vusi the sound person, and uh, we'll chat to you after Sukkot. See you then.